1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I am the editor chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we are almost midway through December. And I think we've had some flurries here, but no real snow in Kansas City. Do you think that that will stay the case through these next three months?
2: We don't get nearly as much snow as we used to. I'm sorry. When we were kids, when I was a kid, um, we got oh, snow we pretty go. regularly. Back, in the back in goes.
1: my day moment to, yeah. to start mm-hmm. the podcast, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I yeah. I think I think we will get snow at a certain point, but I, I tend to think those days of the the big time winners in Kansas City they they do seem to be over. Are we jinxing it here? Is yeah, yeah probably. Probably we are
2: all I can tell you is when they predict a lot of snow we don't get it and when they predict an inch we get you know a foot that's been right. my experience with with snow forecasts
1: so I am grateful that we don't get the whole eight feet thing that happens in Buffalo and then yeah. they have to play yeah. in Detroit a home game in Detroit I don't you know I'm grateful that that typically wouldn't happen in in Kansas City speaking of Kansas City and these chiefs the chiefs are coming off a interesting Best way to describe it 34 to 28 win (laughs) over the Denver Broncos. The Chiefs had a 27 to nothing lead in this game before they surrendered 21 straight points. And Broncos, no matter what their record, they came into this game three and nine. They always do seem to keep it interesting. So we'll talk about that game as the show goes on. We will have our world famous Marinette takeaways, Andy Reid, from his Monday Zoom conference call. We'll highlight some quotes that we found important, John. We will have talk about the playoff picture update and percentages Mm -hmm. for the first time, I believe this year on the editor show. And we will do that for the rest of the way. As we go here, we are in playoff picture mode and time. And then we will go through the headlines uh, that we had leading into Chiefs and Broncos, things that we learned about the Chiefs. So it's a a good jam-packed show. But first, as we do at the beginning of every show, we – we will read the reviews that have come through and we have had more than usual. Steve Serta, our wonderful Arrowhead pride producer said, Pete, that's my name. We want to have a thousand (laughs) reviews to Apple iTunes before the year's up. So what did I say last week? If you missed it, you don't have to go back. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, If we get to a thousand before December 31st slash January 1st, I will eat ice cream cake on the podcast. I guess that would be the week 17 editor show. So it would be the podcast after chiefs and Broncos too. Very fitting to talk about on the show uh, that I will eat in a full ice cream cake as we do the show. I don't know how great that show is going to be, but it'll be something to listen to <laughs> for at least one. Anyway, we are up to 956 because you guys had five this week. So we'll read the reviews wow. very quickly here on the editor show. DC to AA says, Doing this for the cake, my man. After games like the one with the Bengals, I need to simplify things and just remember, get to the playoffs and let the boys play ball. I think, I think that's true, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. true. This is from Chief in Virginia. How much do you buy into the fact that Andy may be saving some different looks for the playoffs? Mm-hmm. I think there is some thought process to that and, and idea to that that is true. I think sometimes we little go a little far, in thinking that he's just saving this secret playbook for the for the playoffs, I don't I don't think he exactly does that. But what what I would tell you is that once you get to the postseason, there will be some unscouted looks that Andy mm-hmm. Reid comes up with. But I I don't know if it's this crypt keeper thing where he's been saving them since training <laughs> camp. I I think they devise these these types of things as the year goes on and and set up certain things with certain teams. And there is a a a definite strategy to that. But I. It's not like they break the glass and say, now it's time for these <laughs> plays, in my opinion, John.
2: Well, you know, I keep going back when this question comes up to the Rose Bowl parade play in the Super Bowl, because when that play uh, was run in the game afterwards, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid both said that they'd been working on it all season. and I believe Reid said that he had mentioned it to the officials before several games, that that was, again, a play that they might run, which is something that coaches do. They talk about particular yeah. plays they might run that might catch the officials' attention and make sure that they're you know, explaining what they're doing so the officials don't flag the play or whatever. And uh, he had mentioned it to several officials before several games over the course of the season and didn't ever use it. But then in the Super Bowl found the right moment and put it out, put it out there. That makes it look like he's saving that play right until the postseason when, in fact, it just happened to play out that way. I think that's what really is going on is that he uses them when they when it just, he decides to do it. And sometimes that's not until the postseason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Right. Yeah. I think there yeah. are looks that he but it's not. It's not hardcore, like we're not using these plays. Right. Right. Now, we're not going to touch these, <laughs> yeah. these things until we, we need them. All right. Next review. This year's draft class, overall, the results are positive, but last week's game against the Bengals has me completely convinced. Brett Beach's biggest mistake as GM was not taking T. Higgins in the 2019 draft. There is a very realistic chance. If you change that one thing, the Chiefs have three Super Bowl wins. I think hindsight is 2020. So that's the first thing you got to say. Mm hmm. The draft that the reviewer's talking about is actually 2020, and the Bengals selected T. Higgins with the number 33 overall pick in the second round. The Chiefs had a pick before them, number 32, in which they selected Clyde edwards Lair. As you go through the draft after edwards Lair, it becomes not pretty. It's not just T. Higgins. It's Michael Pittman of the Indianapolis Colts, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor of the, the Colts, I don't know if you want this one, but LaVisca Chenault of the Jaguars. I tend to think Andy Reid would be, have, have done a better job with him. You also have Cam Akers in there, Chase Claypool, Trevon Diggs, who has been a, a star cornerback for, for Dallas. J.K. Dobbins is taking the second round. Van Jefferson, A.J. Dillon. I'm going to stop reading because it's probably making um, you know some Chiefs fans upset. But, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. The Chiefs for took sure. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You, you don't just say T Higgins, you, you look at all those names, and it, w- it was a mistake. <laughs> you know There's no other way to, and GMs are not going to be 100% in the NFL draft. There is a, a crapshoot to this thing. There's a, a lot of information that you you don't know ahead of time. That's why the fact that they are able to hit on a lot of picks is so impressive, but this one was right. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say and assume that the Chiefs would have three Super Bowls if they had T. Higgins or one of these other guys, but I, I, I think there's a very real case that you'd rather any of those names than maybe Clyde at, at this stage of the game.
2: Yeah, I'm not convinced that any other running back would have been better than Edward Zolaire at that point. Yep. Edward Zolaire's had a, a rough hill to climb, mostly because of the team that he's on and how right. they approach the running game. You know, I'm not sure that Jonathan Taylor would have been that much better. I think you can make an argument that T. Higgins would have been more productive. I think that's fair. Yeah. But I also think you can play this game with any draft pick. Absolutely. I mean, you know, on every other podcast uh, for an SB Nation site, uh, they would could probably have this conversation about, say, Trey Smith. You know, well, mm-hmm. Trey Smith was available at
1: <laughs> six times when
2: when we picked in round two, and we didn't get that guy. So you know you can have this conversation about any draft pick. Doesn't mean that the uh, the opinion is wrong. Um, I I think in this case there's there's that's a pretty good sh- a pretty good thing there that T Higgins might have made a big difference, but didn't play that way. So that's that's what happened.
1: The next next Chiefs pick by the way just just between those names after the, all those names were selected among other names that have not really panned out in the NFL. Willie Gay was selected with number sixty three. I don't think Chiefs fans have a problem with that one. Willie Gay right. still continuing mm-hmm. to develop and what a What a beautiful play he had in this game to tip up a pass to himself and take it home for the pick six. Next review, a trusted source for Chiefs News. I've been a longtime listener of the AP Podcast Network. I love the variety and insight from all the shows. I particularly like the shorter Arrowhead Drive shows during the season. The AP Editor's show is insightful and entertaining. Pete and John have such great chemistry. Thanks, fellas. Keep up the good work. Pete. I hope you get to enjoy some ice cream cake by the end of the year. We are 44 <laughs> reviews away from that with less than the amount of days to go. So I, I'm there right now. I, John, I'm not optimistic about the cake, but I'm, I'm happy that we're getting some reviews in. We we have one more to go coast to coast. Uh, I guess was talking. Are there any famous chiefs that wear number 35? And the guy says, "What? I almost <laughs> threw my phone and banned y'all." <laughs> Kidding. Great show, guys. But put a little respect on Nigerian Nightmare's name. <laughs> the reason I became a fan. Wow. You know what I'm going to do here. I'm not going to address that because the guys aren't on the show. But I do want Steve. I know you're you're listening very closely to the show. Let's make a note to make sure that we ask them what what was happening with that thought process yeah. when they 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 take on uh, the air. The podcast air, if you will, later this week. So, the coast of ghosts guys will have to answer for themselves. I yeah, am not my, yeah. I am not my brother's keeper in, in that sense. <laughs> All right, let's get into Andy Reid and his comments from the the Monday uh, press conference that he has after these games. The Chiefs, of course, as I said, winning uh, against the Denver Broncos, thirty four to what was it thirty four to twenty twenty eight, yeah which was too close. Uh, and I, I feel like everyone everyone kind of feels that way as we wake up on, on Monday morning here. Speaking of Aaron Ladd, who is on Coast to Coast, also does KSHB 41 sports coverage in Kansas City. He was on the call and asked Andy Reid about Travis Kelsey and his eye-popping numbers and just the numbers that have been impressive when it comes to this Chiefs team this year. Here's Andy Reid.
3: Yeah, I, that, that one with Kelsey last night, I thought uh, those are big numbers now. You start talking about you know, ten thousand yards receiving yards—that's a—that's a pretty good haul for a career. And then, when you start stringing them together like he has a thousand yard uh, for what is it? Seven straight? Well, I mean, ever Yeah, so, seven seven straight years. I mean, that's a uh, pretty spectacular too. So, um, I, and I, I think uh, Clark, what was it? A hundred, a thousand straight wins or? Thousand games played as a franchise. Yeah, Ted's coaching me up on all this. So, um, thousand yeah, games played as a franchise. So, uh, that that was. Uh, these are big numbers. Now, I mean, that's pretty pretty special stuff.
1: I want to focus on the comments from Andy Reid about about Kelsey, and this is a a coach who is always saying. Yeah, but he's got to do it again. Finally, there was a moment where ten thousand is enough to brag about a little bit, and <laughs> I think more than ten thousand because Travis Kelce has played for a long time, and if you're a an offensive player in this league, you, you know you're going to be in the realm. I'm not saying that that ten thousand isn't impressive, but just it's what what to me is even more impressive than the ten thousand is the consistency. Seven mm-hmm. years in a row of one thousand yards, you know, knock on all the wood, and just being able to stay healthy and accomplish that is is so impressive and. The biggest thing for me, and this helps Kelsey in that argument for the greatest tight end of all time, past a a Tony G and a a Gronk, is the idea that the next closest to that streak when it comes to tight ends is four. Mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey has gone three more seasons of Mm 1,000 yards than the next, I believe it's four, three or four tight ends that have been Mm -hmm. able to accomplish that four years in a row. Uh, That is the most impressive thing. And what that would lead you to believe is that if he is able to just continue somehow doing this into his 30s, he has a chance to pass Tony G. I'm not saying it's likely because he is still a lot of yardage away, but you never know if if, as long as he can stay productive and healthy, you never know with this guy. And he doesn't want to stop playing anytime soon, much unlike Rob Gronkowski. And just to see him do it and to see how humble he is after the game talking about it, I think he deserved that praise from that coach.
2: Well, I think he can easily get up to second place on the list. Yes, there's a pretty substantial gulf between Gonzalez and the next guy. I looked at these numbers over the weekend, and uh, I think he can make it a second place pretty easily during his career. And I don't think it's out of out of the realm of possibility. It's like five thousand yards. You know, he could do that in four seasons, probably, if he continues at this kind of a pace. So, uh, you know, I don't think that four seasons is a unlikely thing for Kelsey might not make it, but he easily could. So we could, we'll see
1: turning the page and continuing on with Andy Reed. One of the things we saw last night, and, and this was one of the, the brightest spots for the chiefs was the running back play. They've been looking for this one, two punch between running back a and running back B for a long time. And finally, maybe I think we're starting to see exactly what they've had in mind for a long time. Isaiah Pacheco, 13 carries for 70 yards, 5.4. And then Jarek McKinnon probably his best game has achieved seven receptions for 112 yards and the two touchdowns, also six carries for 22 yards on the ground. Here was Andy Reed on
3: Pacheco and McKinnon. Yeah, listen, I, I think, Seren, I think they do complement each other. Two different, completely two different types of game. You know, we'll just keep bringing them, Pacheco, along as we, as we go. Um, I also feel Jones, who we have sitting on the bench, is a good player. So, I mean, it's really, it's a pretty good situation, uh, right there, uh, at that position, you know, knock on wood, but it's, uh, you have, you have a good, uh, good, good balance there.
1: So. Chiefs also have Edwards, the on IR and Melvin Gordon on the practice squad. So no shortage of, of running backs for the chiefs at, at this point. And I have a marinated takeaway that I don't want to spoil here, but John, do you have any quick comments on Pacheco and McKinnon? Well, I think that Pacheco has been fantastic.
2: I, I like that his uh rushing average yesterday was 5.4 yards who does that make me think of could his name be jamal charles you know mm-hmm. if we have a player that can be as productive as jamal charles
1: was for the chiefs yeah um who Another. can't who, who's i gonna like that i've seen a couple tweets from fans and, and comments from fans because of the dreads that come out of the back of the helmet it it at times you're like who you know is that the second coming and i was like easy yeah. <laughs> we, we gotta see a lot more from Isaiah Pacheco before we said call him the the second coming of Jamal Charles but there are times when especially mm-hmm. now you're really starting to see him click a little bit and when he mm-hmm. gets ahead of steam and, and hits the hole I mean you can only hope he's half as good as Jamal Charles and the Chiefs will, will definitely have a, a running back for the, for the coming years tough tough break here I think for Clyde I mean I, I just think it's it's Isaiah Pacheco's job at this point but CEH, when he's able to get healthy and, and get back in the mix, will, will likely have some kind of role on this team. I just think it'll never be as your early down running back as, so long as this seventh-round rookie is healthy. I just don't think you can go away from him at this point. And McKinnon is a nice surprise. Again, I don't want to spoil what I want to say about McKinnon and marinated takeaways. We've got to leave that for segment two. Make sure you guys listen through the ad. This is how we, we're, we're able to operate here. Um, but we do want to go to Andy Reid further talking about McKinnon and what was the best Chiefs game of his career.
3: Well, you said it best. I mean, he, he's like a dinosaur at that position. Uh, Matt, uh, you're playing nine years uh, in, in the National Football League as a running back. Is uh, those are those are dog years? So he he keeps himself in great shape. He's very smart. He's pounded through the injuries that he's had, and really the last couple of years here with us, he's come out on the uh, in a very positive way and shape for for our team. Um, I think if you talk to the players, they'll talk about the leadership, how much they appreciate him. The young guys will talk about like the Pacheco, how much he's taught him or, or Clyde, you know, how much he's taught him. And uh, these are, uh, he's just a good, good guy to have around uh, on your football team from a locker room standpoint. And then from a playing standpoint, we really, there's nothing that he can't, he can't do. He does everything so well. He's got the good, you know, the good hands he can, uh He can run well. He uh, can run inside, outside. He's a good blocker. Picks up blitzes. You know the whole the whole thing there. So,
1: man, there are sometimes I'm watching McKinnon, and you're like, maybe maybe he should be the right tackle. He's pass blocking so so well, <laughs> right? Maybe that's the answer at right tackle. But <laughs> the point that I wanted to highlight from Andy Reid there is just what he's meant to a, a pretty young running back room. Clyde, before he got hurt, has always spoken highly of what jet has ta- taught him and mm-hmm. isaiah pacheco and a lot of these backs come in the league and they're not so good at pass protection and just the idea of him elevating uh the importance of it when you hear him talk about pass protection it it's just such a source of pride and i think that's a really good thing to rub off on these younger backs
2: yeah i think that's a really good point and um i, I was fascinating to hear reed talk about that today i thought while i was listening to him it was like Man, he just doesn't really have anything bad to say about this guy. He's just an older player, so he doesn't have the—he's got the miles on him, so they can't use him the same way they would use somebody like Pacheco. But um, he's certainly been a, a valuable pickup for the Chiefs, and um, uh, and and he's he's doing a lot for the team at this point. Sometimes things that aren't real visible to us, but uh, I think he's definitely had a big impact on the team.
1: Yeah, and again, I—I'm teasing it. Wait till, wait till the next segment. I do want to <laughs> play one of the, the what I, I wouldn't call the negative parts of the game, but certainly a, a source for concern, which was how the younger defensive backs for the Chiefs got a little exploited when it came to positioning and being on the receivers where they needed to be against the Broncos on Sunday evening. And here was Andy Reid's comments on the youth of his defensive backroom.
3: Yeah, Pete. I mean, you know what you're seeing um, uh, just around the league is some some of these long balls that we that we uh, we either had the holding on or it hit us in the face, mad those type of things. That um, defending those is is tough, even for the the best of the best. And and so I kind of put those aside and just keep working on. Them. Let's work on those after practice and during practice. Uh, we can get some extra throws with the quarterbacks. After practice and then during practice, let's have those scripted in. So they have an opportunity to track them. Um, you can't get enough of them. And that's, uh, that, that's, part. now the other stuff we've got, I, I'm seeing improvement, the breaks on the ball, learning the indicators on the break on, to break on the ball. That's uh, one of the bigger struggles for, for a young guy, but I'm, I'm seeing guys get better at that. And that means that they're studying more and, and uh, understanding some of the fundamentals of tape, uh, you know, of uh, playing the receiver position. So, uh, which becomes important playing either corner or safety. The most interesting part of that
1: for me in what Reed was describing was the, the toughness in mimicking game situations in that sense. Kind of sounds like Chad Henney and Shane Bouchelle stay after practice and, and fire these balls in the air for some of these mm-hmm. guys. And, and yeah. maybe that's the way you can get it. Sky Moore in the locker room just a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it was two weeks ago, but he was just discussing the, the hardship of really getting live reps that are mimicking real punted balls to him. And that was part of his struggles. Like he, he's catching everything off the jugs machine, but the jugs machine doesn't have exact wind of where you're playing in it. Mm. It's not the exact rotation of a, a ball that comes off the foot. I mean, shout out to gary v that that sounds like a business opportunity you got to create a better judge machine in my opinion but point <laughs> being all seriousness it's like okay you can tell the thing that i like to hear from reed there is is in his andy reed positive spin way he admitted they need to be better the, the good mm-hmm. part about that is you have four weeks of seasoning to get that done
2: right well you know i think that something that's underappreciated about this game is that we've tended to look at Russell Williams as being complete, excuse me, Russell Wilson is being completely washed up because he's had a bad year in Denver, but the guy's been a pro for a long time. And he is going to find ways to exploit young cornerbacks, even if he doesn't have a lot of good receivers to work with, even if his, you know, top receivers are hurt, you know, all the problems that he's got in Denver he's still going to find a way to exploit those, those opportunities. And I think that was a factor in yesterday's game because you've got these young cornerbacks out there and the chiefs have said, yeah, we're going to go with these guys. They're going to learn on the job. And, you know, maybe they won't be great this year, but they will be great in years to come. And I'm, I'm perfectly willing to ride that train, you know, but in the short term, there's going to be veteran cornerback quarterbacks who can hurt them. And I think that's one of the things we saw yesterday against Denver.
1: That is the roundup of head coach Andy Reed from his Monday afternoon press conference. If you want to hear the press conference in its entirety, we have that available to you on from the podium. So go right to our Arrowhead Pride podcast network and click from the podium. You could hear Andy Reed in full. So these questions and more. That is from the podium on the airhead pride podcast network when we come back it's time you know it's time for those world famous marinated takeaways
0: stay with us well i'm gonna let this marinate you know let that one marinate and then we can circle back adapt react
1: readapt. It takes time it takes years
0: <laughs> that's the takeaway
1: Oh, yeah, we're back. It's time for those world-famous Marinated Takeaways. John, did you know that there are some Chiefs fans that wait all week for this moment? Did you know that?
2: Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, yeah. Some of them are in my family, I think. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, couple of them in not your
1: family, all. couple of them not in your family is what yeah. I would tell you. Yeah. And speaking of, of your world-famous Marinated Takeaways, you always go first on the show. We're going to keep up that weekly tradition what do you got for us
2: i've got a whole i've got i filled up the entire back of an envelope here
1: is that a scroll
2: you can't Uh, see this but yeah well fortunately fortunately it's just a number 10 envelope instead
1: of a manila envelope that you would send a contract in or something so uh, for a second so you can't see john if you're just listening on the podcast but it, it looked like john just unraveled like a a scroll from The Legend of Zelda, which concerns <laughs> me because he's only allowed three Mariner to take and so it looks like there's a lot more on that page. But, John? Well, yeah, I have some extra stuff
2: here in case things come okay. up while we're talking about the That's different good. ones. I, you know, I was struck um, after the game uh, on Sunday evening by how the Chiefs have won several games this year where they've had a negative turnover margin, as they did in Sunday night, Sunday afternoon's games, So I thought I'd look into that a little bit. Found some some interesting things here. Some nuggets um, in the last during the time that Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback. I decided not to go back past 2018 because that's not really what we're talking about with the Chiefs right now. But since Mahomes has been in Kansas City, when the Chiefs have a negative turnover rate uh, margin, that is yep. it's minus one or below. Kansas City is the only team in the league with a winning record. Every wow. other team is below 500. Kansas City tops the list. Okay. I thought that was amazing. That's an amazing statistic. If the turnover ratio is zero, as many given up as taken away, Kansas City is fourth with a 14 and five record mm-hmm. since Patrick Mahomes has been the starter. When they have a positive turnover ratio, Kansas City is second since Patrick Mahomes came to starter. Their record is 32 and two. Oh, my. <laughs> Tell you what. So, you
1: they know, gotta, I, they got to practice forcing some more turnovers,
2: sounds like to me. Yeah. Well, what I find interesting about that is I've, you know, I looked into this some years ago. I spent some time digging around in statistics, trying to figure out what the most predictive statistic was. And turnover margin is way up there. There's no such thing as a perfect statistic that will by itself predict whether or not a team will win a game. But turnover margin is way up there. When you get, you know, a minus two or three turnover margin, It's very difficult to win an NFL game. And yet, even when it happens, the Chiefs are winning these games. And, uh, you know, yes, I think it's okay to be mad about some of the things that happen in the game on Sunday. But let's appreciate that if you want to complain about the coaching, okay, fine. But I think you have to have pretty good coaching to make a team that can do this, that can win even when things have gone badly with turnovers. I found that to be very impressive.
1: Yeah, I think the negative turnover ratio in a winning record is is sort of stunning in, in a way. You can you can imagine just having Patrick Mahomes, if you're winning the turnover battle, you're probably dominating, which sounds like was also the case. But that, that was a nice, nice stat to, to dig up there. All right, I'm gonna go with my first married to takeaway here, and uh, I'm just gonna be honest, guys. I'm just a man. I'm a, just a confused man, and I'll ta- say <laughs> I'll explain what I mean. So the Chiefs were up 27 nothing in the second quarter, and they, I believe, they ran on the first down, and then the next play was the pad interception, right? So then it's 27 seven. They get the ball back. They they decide to run passing plays five straight times. So here's where, where I become confused, man. Pete, I don't get the thought there to especially when Isaiah Pacheco is running as well as he is. I don't I don't get the thought to pass as much as they do in that spot. However, and this is where it gets confusing. I also know one of the greatest Andy Reid complaints, consensus among Chiefs fans, has been over the years getting too conservative in moments. like
2: mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's so
1: early in the game, it's 27 to nothing in this game he was punished for not being conservative and passive <laughs> but in a backward way like it was progress in in a weird way mm-hmm. even though the results were damning and so i don't know how to feel about it right because in and i you know in an isolation like i i know for a fact there were chiefs fans yesterday that have probably complained about Andy Reed getting conservative, especially in the playoffs in, in his history. Mm-hmm. Th- those fans were probably upset that he was passing yesterday. And I, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm watching the game, right. I'm, I'm a reporter. I'm a writer. I'm thinking that I'm like, why, why are they passing? But hasn't this been the biggest complaint about Andy <laughs> Reed over the years of like, uh, taking the foot off the, the gas. So I don't even know if that's a, a true takeaway because it's, it's, it's more just a, a feeling that I was having. It just felt confusing to me because I, I actually think that that was a, in a weird way, a good thing. I know the results didn't pan, but I, I, I think the process is what we've been looking for about Andy Reed for, for a long time. You have Patrick Mahomes pass the football, but you know, certain times and in, in these rare situations when he's not playing well, that it's, it's going to be a bad thing, but I, I think overall it's a good thing. And the fact that they blew it almost blew a 27, nothing lead, would lead you to believe, well, no, no, it isn't, but it, but it is that, and, you know what I mean? That, that, and that's where I'm at on that.
2: Well, I, I've had very similar thought processes since the game yesterday. Uh, yeah. People have complained all the time about Andy Reed taking his foot off the gas. I mm-hmm. wish I could find out who said that the first time. I think I've expressed that before somewhere. Yeah. I wish I knew who was the first guy to say that because or or woman, I guess it could be a woman sure. who pointed out that Andy Reed took his foot off the gas because everybody says it now, you know, yeah. if, if, uh, if, if teams come back and get and close a big chiefs lead late in the game, people always say, well, Andy Reed took his foot off the gas. And I, I completely agree with you. It's been a constant criticism of Reed. Um, people say it happened when he was in Philadelphia And Mm -hmm. it continues to happen in Kansas City. And it shows that he's let the game pass him by. So on and so on and so on and so on. And yet, on Sunday, people were mad because he was keeping his foot on the gas. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. And he said after the game that, you know, they knew they'd be facing a tough opponent in the division game. And they felt it was important to keep the pressure on. So that's what they were doing. And and I I kind of get it myself. I, you know, I think, you run up this big lead and they suddenly get a touchdown. You feel like you should answer it right away before halftime. They're going to get the ball
1: to I, I begin think in the a, second half. You know? Yeah, I, I think in a ridiculous way was I. going to sound not. I just think it was almost a, a good thing. Now, there's more that goes into it, like the way that Pacheco was running and the fact that this Broncos team has not been able to score more than. points coming into the game. And so I I guess you really have to take in all the factors. But I just think generally speaking, it's like, man, the frustration has always been too conservative. And then when he does go to more of an aggressive mode in a spot where maybe in the past he would have gone conservative, now it's a problem because the results didn't pan out. Andy Reid, he didn't throw the picks, right? We also have this thing in Kansas City where no matter what, it's not Patrick Mahomes' fault. The end of that half was Patrick Mahomes' fault. Yeah, uh, and and yeah. that's okay. That is okay to say. Doesn't mean he's not an MVP candidate. Doesn't mean he's not the best quarterback to ever exist through seventy six games of his career. The Chiefs were trying to stay aggressive, and Patrick Mahomes threw bad picks. Right, that was the end of the half, and that's okay to say. All right, John, what's your number two? Marinated takeaway.
2: Yeah, um, you know this is back to more of people's reactions from the game. Uh, I've lost track of the number of people that I've. Uh, run across that have been pointing out that the Chiefs gave up uh, 28 points to a team that hadn't scored more than 23 all season and how terrible the defense must be. Well, I would just like to point out that the time that the Broncos scored 23 points, they lost that game because they gave up 32 points, the most they had given up all season. And the point that I'm trying to make here is that you can't look at these ball games, particularly between division opponents, right. as if they're going to play out like every other game of the season. In mm-hmm. fact, that other game was against the Raiders, right? Right. A right. division opponent, and you know these games get into an ebb and flow. And you know, I suspect the Broncos didn't come into this game thinking, "Oh, we're going to have to throw the ball and put up a bunch of points." No, they were thinking, we need to stop the Chiefs from scoring. We need to keep the score low so that we Mm -hmm. can keep up. And yet, you know, before the second quarter's over, um, (laughs) they're down 27 to nothing to get an interception. Guess what they do? (laughs) They do what they can to score quickly, and they do. uh, Because they're operating outside of the zone the Chiefs expected them to be in. This is just the way it works. Right. If the other team scores a bunch of points, you got to figure out a way to answer that, and so you end up, you know, scoring a lot more points than you might otherwise. I, I just, I, yeah. I, I, get really bugged by this kind of criticism of the team. Um, you know, they won the game when they really had no right to win the game. You know,
1: well, <laughs> you mentioned that that the thirty-two points came from the Raiders, and yeah. you know, we have to say when we're saying this with the thirty-four points scored, the most against the Broncos this season. Seven of those points came from Willie Gay. Yeah. Still, you're looking at what? 27. I always have, hate when I have to do math here. 27 <laughs> for the offense, <laughs> which is still pretty good against the the Broncos defense, especially Absolutely. considering you yeah. gave the ball away three times. Like right. they not, which is atypical for Mahomes. He's only had two other games where he threw three picks. So like, I I I, I can understand the frustration because if they played like this against a good team, they they lose. I mean, that's the, that's the truth, but they sure. they weren't. They were playing a bad team, fortunately for them. Their bad game came against a bad team. Now you have a couple of weeks here to, to you know get ready for what is going to be a tough AFC tournament. Um, my next takeaway, and I sort of mentioned this before, but I thought the Chiefs' young defensive backs were punished in a way, and their seasoning over the next four weeks would be the key to a championship. Much unlike, I think, a lot of Chiefs Twitter and a lot of hot takers that, that exist in Kansas City. The pass rush is is starting to prove to be there. Now, it needs to be better against a particular uh, wiry opponent in Cincinnati. They got to figure out how to be better with the pass rush in Cincinnati. So I'm I'm sort of taking that opponent out. It's tough to do. But I think where I'm at, and and this is where, because I still think Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are good. I still think they're growing. Now, could they've had a couple plays back here and there this year? Absolutely, right. Especially the open field tackling. The tackling as a whole needs to be better. My greatest concern are these young DBs, and I, I, I think I was excited about them, and I think I was maybe a little, personally speaking, just speaking for myself, myself. I think I was maybe a little, personally, a little too overconfident in how good they were looking mm, and how yeah. ready Joshua Williams was to. Or it could be Jalen Watson, depending on how you go here. But just how ready they were to face what is going to be uh, elite competition. Jerry Judy has been waiting for the type of game that he had last night for his entire career at this stage, yeah. they made, and he hasn't been able to do it. And they made him look like an all pro. And I just I wonder because again, this is a bad Broncos team. If you look at the playoff schedule the way it is right now, John, and and you know bear with me here. So in the in the in the frame of reference of of these young DBs who struggled last night. Chiefs would be the number two seed and they would welcome in the Los Angeles Chargers into Arrowhead game one with a healthy Mike Williams and a healthy Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert looking like he is an all pro slash MVP of the league going by seeding the next team if they were able to win that game would be Baltimore in the divisional round followed by Buffalo in the AFC title game followed by the Philadelphia Eagles Baltimore is running a backup right now and narrowly beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that could easily turn into Cincinnati. And so in this hypothetical scenario, your new road with these young DBs would be the Chargers. with the, their two-man tandem. Cincinnati, we know about those three wide receivers. Buffalo with Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs and, and Knox. And then Philadelphia with Miles Sanders and then A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. They need to be better and grow to be better over the next four weeks or you're losing one of those games. And, that, that, and that's and that's the reality. That's why what my mm-hmm. question to Andy Reid was, where are these guys at? It's like mm-hmm. we need to work. Fortunately, they have four more weeks to work. Once they get to the playoffs, you're not rookies anymore. You know, it's great. I, and I know that's a, a football cliche, but they're going to need them to play like second year, third year pros. If yep. you're going to win that road. And this is where the transition year comes into the Kansas City. This is where they're going to be younger. This is where they're going to need Patrick Mahomes to not make the mistakes he did yesterday because these young guys will make mistakes in the playoffs. They can't make a ton of them, or you're not gonna you're not gonna get out of the tournament. And that's it's it's a it's a tough thing to say. It's a tough thing to hear. It actually is an expected thing. I think they really like these young guys, but they they're young and they just need that experience. And so maybe they'll be better for last night um, and, and getting exploited a little bit by Jerry Judy and the Broncos.
2: Well, I I think those, I think that's an excellent point. And I think it's, I think it's right to expect that they're going to make mistakes. I think we thought that, Yeah. you know, uh, when we saw these uh, rookies getting playing time at the beginning of the season, in some cases, because other players were hurt. And, but I think when the chiefs traded away Rashad Fenton, we knew, okay, they're Mm. going all in on these guys and we need to be prepared for these guys to learn on the job. And, you know, I don't think anybody expected the chiefs defensive backs to be great this season. Right. I mean, if, if they did, they were being really optimistic. And I think that the team's success in spite of the difficulties they've had. And, you know, let's be fair about this. They have not played spectacularly well. We have seen good things from them. We have seen promising things from them, but as a whole, if you look at like opposing passer rating, the Chiefs are not doing all that well. I think I mentioned this a week or two ago, that um, the, the the defensive backs are not holding quarterbacks to bad games. The Broncos are doing that,
1: right? right <laughs> you know, right. the
2: Broncos' defensive backs are holding quarterbacks to bad games, which brings me to one of my takeaways. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) which is that um, I I think I put this in one of the pieces I wrote last week that the opposing passer rating against the Broncos this year was 78.5. Patrick Mahomes did not have a great game, but his on Sunday was 85.6. He actually played better than most quarterbacks do against the Broncos. In fact, it's the fifth best passer rating against the Broncos this season. Not the best, but the point is, that we should have expected that this was going to be a difficult game for Mahomes because the Denver secondary is really good yeah and they do a good job of of you know forcing interceptions passer ratings uh, an interception is a big is a big quantifier in that statistic so we really shouldn't have been surprised that Mahomes would throw some picks in this game they certainly are his fault i'm not trying to say Right. You know, we should we should excuse those because all of those throws were were bad decisions. He's admitted that, but let's not discount the contributions that the defensive defensive players made uh, in those interceptions because they did they did make those contributions.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so the yeah. Broncos came in as one of the best defenses in the league for Absolutely. a reason. Yeah, and yeah. Reasonably, reasonably speaking, and this was something that Andrew Reid said last night, and it made me. <laughs> Kind of be like, oh no, because Andrew was like, if you take away the three interceptions, Patrick had a great game. Yeah,
3: yeah, I, I, you know, like, but he,
1: <laughs> he did throw the three picks, but he's also right. If you if you do take away the three bad decisions, three bad plays. That maybe some other teams all don't catch the pick, right? They don't have mm-hmm. as good a, right. of defensive players, right? If You're looking at three touchdowns, two interceptions, or three touchdowns, one interception. Let's so say you take away two, and it's three fifty yards. You're probably scoring another touchdown on those drives, and the score looks a lot different. But the game played out as it did. And sometimes these division games, I think it's important to remember that they get mucked up, and this was certainly a mucked up mm-hmm. division game where yeah. a bad team almost upset a, a a better team. And fortunately for Chiefs fans, it didn't happen. My final marinated takeaway, you know I'm an Isaiah Pacheco guy if you like the editor show, but you got to admit, right? Good things happen when my man, Jarek McKinnon, has the football in his hands. He's giving me McCole Hardman, Sky Moore type of vibes when he's in open space. I always felt like that about those guys, too, given their shiftiness and and the yak. Yeah. But, man, whenever McKinnon touches the football, it's like he's gaining 10 and 20 yards. It's It's unbelievable. I needed mm-hmm. to go. What I needed to do is I needed to go get some stats because my brain was not being able to function as to figure out how many exact yards is he getting each time? Because it felt like 25 every time he touches the ball. It's not chiefs running back. Jarek McKinnon is averaging 6.4 yards per touch this season. That's actually best among chiefs running backs. I believe Pacheco's at five, which is very good considering how many rushes that he has McKinnon. This was my, my, my marinated stat of the week. I don't even know. Can we sponsor that? Okay. Sure. McKinnon. (laughs) is second on the team in yards after the catch with 402. Think about how much he's played and has played this year. That's on 38 receptions. Only Travis Kelsey has had more, and that's 514. So so quick math would be 112 more yards. But he's also had 43 more receptions. That's on 81 total receptions. So, wow. Is this a candidate for, like, wow, we – you know, that, that old Jamal Charles complaint that every Chiefs fan has, like how many touches is he getting each game? Because until he stops going at at this rate, how do you not feature McKinnon every single game for at least what five of these passes that, that are, are a little bit shorter in in that short game and letting him just, let's just see what happens. Right. I mean, but, but they do though. That's the thing. They do that.
2: You know, we've talked all season about, Uh, You know, whether or not the Chiefs would have a running back by the committee or whether they have a bell cow running back. And now for what, six games now, is it uh, Pacheco has been the starting running back? And there have been a number of those games where McKinnon has had more snaps than Pacheco because they are using him uh, as a as a passing back in these in these third down situations. And also because he can he can pass block. Yeah. But they have been doing that or else or else we wouldn't have these numbers. But that is there's another amazing stat we've come up with for you here on the editor show. Right.
1: Very good. So Very look, good. I'm look, looking at the game log here. He has had three targets or more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. And how many mm-hmm. games have they played? Eight out of 13. Uh, yeah, it might be better than I thought. But still. I mean, I'm just impressed. Maybe it needs to be more than that. Maybe that's my point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, 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 I made it, maybe this take needed to be marinated a little bit more. <laughs> maybe they just, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, John, you said you had a lot. Any quick things before we, yeah, we take I, it? Yeah, I,
2: I, I think that, that uh, one other thing that I think is affecting people's perception of this game uh, is that we thought it was going to be a blowout. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't think so. I think my prediction was for an 11-point win. I didn't expect for there to be this much scoring in the game. Uh, but I thought the Chiefs would win been by 11. That was that was my guess for the my, game. So My prediction I,
1: was 27-10, and unfortunately, that was basically the halftime score. And I said, right. wow, I, I should have maybe doubled this. <laughs> right. I don't think very many people, um, except our Madden si-
2: simulation, thought that there would be a lot of scoring in this game. Um, so I, I think I just would like to point this out. The Chiefs have now f- won 14 consecutive games against the Denver Broncos Broncos so you know this is a a team in the division you know where division games are often toss-ups that the Chiefs have won for like seven years now okay They've, they've won these games half of those games have been victories by seven points or less that's something I looked up this morning seven of those 14 wins have been by seven or fewer points (laughs) <laughs> so just because the Chiefs are dominating in victories does not necessarily mean these games are going to be close. You know, yeah. some of them have been blowouts. Absolutely. A few, you know, some of them have. But half of them have been close games within one score. And I think that's an important thing to remember as we move forward um, that the, the point spread is not a prediction of what the game is going to be. Okay. Let's remember that the point spread is designed to put an equal amount of money on both sides of a wager so that the casino makes money. And that Mm. isn't necessarily a reflection of what the final score is going to be. Oftentimes it works out close to that uh, because, you know, it's to a certain extent reflects what people think. And a large group of people will think about a game in some form or fashion of what the game will be. But it's not a mathematical calculation to predict the score of the game. It's designed to, you know, entice people to bet. That's an entirely different thing than an expectation of what the score is going to be. So there's my there's my rant about that.
1: Well, I wish it was a little closer. The Chiefs have had a tough time covering this year. Yeah. <laughs> Every well,
2: game. if you put money on the games, that matters. I get it. Right, I totally right, do. Right. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, those are your world-famous marinated takeaways when we come back. and We are up against the clock. When we come back, we're going to go over the playoff picture, and we'll have a really quick run-through of the week that was in Chiefs news. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, it's playoff picture season, and fortunately for your Chiefs, they are more than 99% <laughs> to win this AFC West division for the seventh straight season. That has coincided with Travis Kelsey having a thousand yards per season. I bet you you both of those have helped each other, John. But let's dig into this playoff picture. What do Chiefs fans need to know as we move forward into the vaunted Houston Texans week?
2: (laughs) Well, you're right. Uh, The Chiefs have a greater than 99% chance to make the playoffs and win the AFC West. And the reason for this is That all they have to do to make the playoffs is win one of their last four games. Well, you know, the odds that the Chiefs are going to lose all four of these games, um, yeah, that's pretty small. So that makes it a 99% greater than 99% chance. Um, And then as to winning the AFC West, that actually is even more likely than making the playoffs. Because if the Chiefs win one of their games or the Chargers lose one of their games, then the Chiefs will win the West. So also greater than 99%. But it's like, you know, one is 99.1% and the other one is 99.99%. The idea that the season could end without the Chiefs winning at least one game or the Chargers losing at least one game is, is ridiculously small. Right. So what's most likely going to happen is that a week from now, we're going to be talking about the chiefs being the AFC West champions for the seventh consecutive week.
1: Yeah. And that's why that game against Miami with LA on Sunday night, actually in a weird way, you're rooting for the chargers. If you are a, a, a mm-hmm. diehard chiefs fan that really understood the percentages here because Miami was a quiet threat to maybe win that AFC bye. And now it seems way, way unlikely that they're going to be able to do that. And they lost two games in a row. The Chiefs need another Buffalo loss. Miami has Buffalo. I think it's on Saturday, this game on Saturday. And then uh, on top of that, you would have not gotten to see the Chiefs with their hats and their shirts, whatever the shirt version. I mean, that's, that's always a nice moment when the Chiefs are celebrating in the locker room after with their AFC West hats, And now that they need uh, to just simply win a game um you, you know you'll get you'll get the gratification of seeing that so um kansas city and houston this week i can't imagine <laughs> this is a game but man with the way the chiefs play sometimes who knows let's let's right. see what well, ends up happening any given sunday is still true right bottom no, b- they... the the Texans had a nice game against the cowboys are coming they a nice game against the cowboys all right but we'll you know
2: see- I, I saw jared uh sap make a point about that today and he lives in dallas so that he has a pretty good feel on what's going on down there. Uh, the Texans saw their game against the Cowboys as their Super Bowl. Yeah. The Texans have been counting down to that game instead of their game against the Chiefs. And why not? Uh, you know, they're in Texas. They also have put up a really good record this year. And it may be that the Texans are just exhausted <laughs> after after that game against Dallas. So this may be an easier game than we think. But you should never discount the up, the possibility that another NFL team can win the game. Um but if the I,
1: Chiefs win that game, go yeah, yeah, go ahead Pete. Go ahead. I just think I just think the this week for the Chiefs the greatest emphasis going into this Texans game is going to be clean football. And if the Chiefs play yeah. clean football, they're going to wipe the floor with the Texans. Sure. It, it, there's sure. no shot. I mean they they are just on such opposite ends of the yeah. spectrum, but they need to play clean ball. Any team yeah. is going to be in the game if you throw three picks. You, you want to tell me that Mahomes is going to throw another three picks against the Texans? Then it could look interesting, just like against anybody in the NFL. Right. All right. right. All right. Let, let's through. Let's run. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, uh, well, we just need to move on to the first round by situation, because that's really the oh, only thing that's that's yes. uh, that's significantly unknown right now. The Chiefs have a one in three chance to win the first round by and um, there are now three teams. There were four, but there were four. There were four. But now there are three teams that need to lose a game in order to make things simpler for the Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, let's just, for example, say they all lose a game this weekend, which is possible. And the Chiefs win their game against the Texans. Then if the Chiefs went out, the Chiefs get the first round by. Right. Um, now, what is the next thing we would ask ourselves is what has to happen for the Chiefs uh, to be able to rest their starters in weekend week 18 and not care whether or not they beat the law, the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, the same thing, uh, those three teams, the bills, the Ravens and the Bengals all have to lose at least one game before the end of the season, but the bills have to lose at least two. Right. And then the chiefs winning the next three games clinches the bye for them. So as always happens as the week, as the weeks progress, this, the picture gets simpler and simpler. And that's certainly the case here. We're getting we're getting down to the point you can see it pretty clearly.
1: The key right now is for
2: Buffalo to lose a the
1: game. They got the Dolphins, yeah. Bears, Bengals, and Patriots. Yeah. I, you know, they were able to get the win against the Jets. So it was only by eight points, a division game. You know, I, I mentioned that I, I thought the Jets might be able to, to be interesting there they were to an extent they couldn't get it done i I still think among those four games dolphins bears Bengals, patriots one of them is going to be a loss buffalo is not the team they were during the first six Mm -hmm. and seven weeks of the season where they were just were steamrolling teams josh allen has kind of struggled after that injury and they haven't been exactly the same defensively and they're flirting with a loss each week at, you know, mm-hmm. at this stage yeah. they're on a four-game winning streak but they've been flirting so well Let's I've been thinking for happening. the last couple of
2: weeks that this game against the Dolphins is going to be an important one for the Chiefs and it, and that certainly seems to be the case now uh, you know the Dolphins lost on Sunday which means that we've crossed them off the list of teams that mm-hmm. we have to be really worried about and now they can do us a favor uh, by notching a, a loss for the bills the, so let's see the how Chargers
1: that goes and Dolphins play on Saturday John at seven fifteen Arrowhead time that is a game I want to watch and I'm sure my girlfriend is going to be thrilled that it's on Saturday night at seven well, fifteen.
2: you you meant the Chargers and Bills, or excuse me the Dolphins and Bills right?
1: Dolphins and Bills yeah yeah yep, that's yeah, a, okay. that's a game I definitely want to watch yeah and man, uh, me too. we're, gonna, we're yeah. gonna have to have a I'd have a chat and see if I can I can swing that. All right, let's get into the Chiefs roundup this week and and learn about some news. We're going to go a little faster than usual since we spent a lot of time just chatting it up here today. Blake Bells continues to to be on IR. I, I'm mm-hmm. starting to wonder if this guy's even going to return. I, I, <laughs> I we've seen him bouncing around the practice facility. He he looks like he's moving okay. Hips are weird though, so you know maybe there's been some complications we don't know about. I wonder if he, he begins practicing at a certain point. We'll see about that on Wednesday. Lucas Niang has been back for a few weeks now at right tackle, getting into football shape. I think he, I think he's an option at right tackle, but it doesn't seem the Chiefs are in, an, in an, exactly in a rush to to get him in the mix. They're still sticking with Andrew Wiley. I, I do wonder if that changes in the coming weeks. He, he seems like the only possible offensive line replacement for Wiley if they were to make a move along the offensive line. And then one thing we should note I didn't have this in the rundown, John, but wide receiver McCole Hardman is eligible to return next week. And I have had seen him in the facility. Andy Reed had confirmed he is, is running. He, he looked okay. But again, until they get back to the field, we just don't know what mm-hmm. the timetable is, but he is right. finally eligible to return. If, if the chiefs deem him ready, he had that abdomen issue. So once again, still wondering about Blake Bell, We are wondering if Hardman returns this week, and I continue to think about the fact that I I just think at some point in the end gets shot. I don't know when that's going to be, though.
2: Well, we'll just have to see about that. I mean, he's getting special teams snaps at this point, I think.
1: So they are putting him out there, which is a
2: sign that they at least think he's ready to be on the field. But you know how they are. They don't like to mess up uh, an offensive line. And uh, I think a player has to be really playing badly before they want to switch a guy out and mess up the chemistry that they've developed up to that point.
1: These headlines sometimes are fickle as you look back at them. Patrick Mahomes looking to eliminate (laughs) one dumb play per game. That did not happen. How how about three? Just eliminate three and you'll be fine. Yeah, that did not happen against the Denver Broncos, so he will continue in those efforts as they get ready for the Houston Texans. The Chiefs promoted defensive tackle Brandon Williams to the 53-man roster. To me, having the familiarity with Joe Cullen and Mm -hmm. Steve Spagnuolo from the days in Baltimore and being a veteran who was a little less productive last year, but then really didn't play a lot in you know, beginning to middle and you you already see the impact that he, that he's had and he mm-hmm. had a nice tweet and the half sack that that he was able to to get in his first game as a chief against the broncos so brandon williams could be that underrated addition that you're talking about if the chiefs were able to go on a run in the playoffs john
2: well we talked about uh jared uh, jared mckinnon's contribution to the running back room i think that's kind of what they're going for with with Williams here, um, you know, he's what, 33 years old. Mm-hmm. So he's he's somebody that can make a contribution on the field, but also will be an influence on players like, you know, Malik Herring and uh, Joshua Kendo, these young guys that the Chiefs are going to have to coach up for the next couple of years. So I think there's a, a couple of different parts of that dynamic um, that made it, made it make sense to bring him onto the team in place of Taylor
1: Stallworth the two parts of this that I, I do want to mention is that this in reverse meant that the chiefs did not feel like Taylor Stallworth was the guy. They said goodbye to him and then continuing to be on the practice squad is Danny Shelton. And it's mm-hmm. just yep. been on it all year. You get to a situation where the, the chiefs say, you know, we're, we're not going to go with Stallworth. So, you know, I'm sure there, there is a, a, an excitedness from, from Shelton that he might finally get the call after an injury to Turk Wharton, made an opportunity available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You thought maybe here, no Shelton, but he, he remains in the practice squad. He has lost weight. I, I do sometimes wonder if we ever see Shelton at, at a certain point this year. The Chiefs do have those three practice squad elevations that they can use if they ever felt like, okay, maybe we need him for a, a particular game. Justin Reed closed the door on that back and forth with the Bengals. <laughs> uh, he had another tweet on Tuesday saying cry about it. He was right. I asked him about this in the locker room and received a nice, a nice death stare. And he said, "We're going to put that to bed." <laughs> so that's it for Justin Reed and the Bengals. We'll see if the Chiefs see them again. I think it's very possible that they see him again yeah, in the playoffs.
2: Certainly possible.
1: And that stuff will will come back to the surface as it does. Patrick Mahomes called being nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award a tremendous honor. Mahomes does a lot for the community. I mean, in, in addition yeah. to being what it, what has become the face of the NFL. I believe last year's was Kelsey Tyron Matt no Tyron Matthew and Kelsey have had pre- yeah Kelsey and then Tyron yeah. Matthew was the year before mm-hmm. Dustin Colquitt has been in that mix. I feel like Patrick Mahomes is the first Chief in a while that for me personally has a very real chance at this thing. Um, we'll see. Uh, sometimes it does go to more obscure players, which which you know I don't even exactly know how how they. I believe it's a selection committee that that right. that chooses this, but. Man, I could see Mahomes being a finalist for this thing. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I've just been sitting here wondering, you know, he's going to be in the league for a long time. There's no there's no idea that he's ever going to stop being the way he is. I wonder if you can be named the Walter Payton Man of the Year more than once.
1: Hmm. Not sure. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I think Patrick Mahomes will get some real consideration by the league yeah. for that award. I agree. Yeah. You have on here, John, in week 14, Chiefs fans are significantly less confident in the team. And here we have our SB Nation NFL Reacts chart, also known as an EKG of Chiefs fans. When the <laughs> team loses, it goes down and then it goes up when they win and goes down. I imagine we'll shoot back up after this win, even though uh, it wasn't
2: exactly. No. You think it's going to stay <laughs> down there? What do we I have think right now? Yeah. yeah, I don't think I've ever seen fans so unhappy after a, a victory. Spoiled. as as i'm seeing today um they're, it was they're 75 the hmm?
1: they're going to the candy shop and the, the candy's too sweet john you know what i yeah. mean
2: maybe yeah maybe yeah yeah we'll see they were they were at 75 or 77 i think last week it may be right around there this coming week when we run this survey again it'll be interesting to see
1: okay we will see how that goes chiefs Melvin Gordon could pre- prove valuable to valuable to the Chiefs whether he plays on Sunday or not. I, I think what Melvin Gordon is is if Jerick McKinnon were to get injured, then mm-hmm. he would become that guy. I, that that's yeah. simply what I think he is at this point. Yeah. If it was a a player that they wanted to call up, Andy Reid is cognizant of these things although he would like you to maybe not believe he is where sometimes players want to play against their former team. Didn't happen, and so for me it's just a safety net of Jerick McKinnon and you saw Against the Broncos, just how important McKinnon could be,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Eric, well, I think the and,
1: Chiefs feel the same way, and that's why they've got yeah. Melvin Gordon.
3: Yeah,
1: Eric Bieniemy described rookie Isaiah Pacheco as as coachable, which um, which is a a good thing, I guess. You know, just being a, a rookie running back, and and noted that he continues to improve each and every week, John. So. I, I guess that's a good thing. I, I think there were had been some alternate takes on that particular story, just of what that meant for Clyde. I don't, I don't know if enemy would do that, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But right. I can understand where, you know, you have this rookie who's receiving a ton of compliments, and where you, you know, you automatically go to the former starter who's now on the injured injured list. What did you think about that?
2: Well, I think that uh, that's something that Eric enemy likes to say about all of his players. <laughs> I mean, he said those kinds of things about about Josh Gordon too. And we didn't really see much evidence of that on the field. So you have to factor that into these, these conversations. But I think to me, it's just yet another reason to be excited about what Pacheco can do uh, going forward. You know, he's not only a guy that can, you know, blast open holes and find creases and, and jump up and run back to the huddle. As soon as he gets tackled viciously, he's also a guy that the coaches like, you know, what's not to like about this guy. Wow.
1: Yeah. Willie Gay Jr., happy with his growth both, both on and off the field. We have seen some of the, the struggles with, with Willie Gay in, in both situations early in his career, seems to have a good head on his shoulders now, and what a play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the growth yeah. off the field is, is obviously more important, but it, I mean, he, he had this goal to have interceptions in, in 2022. I think he was hurt by being out of the mix for four weeks, which is some of that off the field stuff seems like he is in a good place now, and, and you saw yeah. what maybe that could mean for his on-the-field play with that pick six on Sunday. The Chiefs could use some of those, and you know, as we mentioned, that whole turnover thing earlier on in the show. And then Kadarius Toney ruled out, and Joe Tooney was back in the mix after two games off. Kadarius Toney is making progress. I don't want anyone to think that because he was out on Sunday that the Chiefs had any setback with him or anything like that. I think it's just them being careful with his... Hamstring, which has been a problem for him in the past. Is that Kadarius calling you, John? Yeah, but
3: <laughs> my hamstring's
1: fine. Put me in. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to get on the editor's show. And uh, that's it. I, what I would look for for Kadarius, if you're wondering, is what that practice status on Wednesday is. I think we might right. get our first full practice from him in a long time. I think this yeah. was in an ease in. Easy, and I, I think you might see him on Houston. Uh, in Houston on what is a little bit of a snap count, and then hopefully if everything goes well and, and he continues to regress, that you might see him with a full snap count the the following weeks.
2: I think we should give a shout-out here to, to one of our new writers, Dakota Watson, who uh, wrote this past week that uh, he expected that the Chiefs would put uh, would let Tony rest one more week mm. and should let him rest one more week because these injuries are hard to get back from, and he pointed out that this is the way they've handled hamstring I mean, injuries in the past and i think he was proved to be right here
1: i always find it amazing that our our guy rick burkholder continues to read arrowhead pride in dakota yeah. and, and he's mm-hmm. his advice and, and so thank you to rick yeah. for yeah. doing that that is our chiefs headline roundup we did our marinated takeaways we covered andy reed i want to remind you if you leave a rating and a review on apple itunes i will read it on the show we're 44 away from cake we got some work to do Before December thirty first, I I'm starting to think we're not going to be eating cake on this show, but we will see how it goes. Please leave us a rating review; we'll read it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. And speaking of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, keep it locked in this week. I know it's the Houston Texans, but we're going to have insight about the team as a whole. Continue to talk about the playoff picture. Find out ways the Chiefs can be better as they look toward the Texans. For Steve serta and John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us once again on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. Perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com/slash Claude C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.
0: Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze.